Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. So we've got a really exciting guest today. We've got big movie star Luke Stevenson. Uh, Luke is a, an ex-Jehovah's Witness um, and yeah, he's he's had quite an interesting life since he's left the organization so um welcome to the podcast luke very nice to be here thanks for having me you're absolutely welcome um so let's get on to the the most uh i suppose uh, well sexiest part of uh, of the discussion first which is uh, you appeared in the wonderful film apostasy tell us about that i did indeed i think there's possibly three uh, big names in acting me <laughs> Brad Pitt and George Clooney, um, <laughs> but not only am I a, a movie star, I'm also a window cleaner, <laughs> and that is probably no surprise to you because no. you you know that I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness, and I think all Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> bar none, tend to do some window cleaning at some point in their in their lives. So, uh, being brought up as a witness, I was disfellowshipped um, from the organisation around about ten years ago. And at that point, I started to listen to uh, podcasts and watch YouTube videos, uh, you know, made by ex-witnesses. And I was listening to this uh, podcast one afternoon whilst window cleaning in Macclesfield. And um, it was a podcast hosted by Lloyd Evans. And he just happened to mention that he'd heard that they were making a film about the witnesses in the Manchester area, and he sort of put the, the call out for if any ex-witnesses would be interested in getting involved, if they were interested in acting or anything like that. Well, at the time, I am I was a member of the, the local amateur dramatic society. I was an ex-witness, um, so this felt like it was right up my street. So I, I got in touch with the, um, the filmmakers and... Um, they asked for an audition, so I sent them in, in an audition. And that's really how I got involved with the, the film. Mm-hmm. So what part did you play? I I think on the credits it said something like um, brother in party scene. So uh, a highlight of the movie I think you'll find. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a really interesting experience. When oh. I first heard about the movie, I thought it was just going to be like a, a student project or something. Mm. Anyway, I went to the, the first day of shooting, or at least the first day that I was involved with, and it was this um, massive sort of filmmaking studio lot type of thing, and they had catering wagons and giving out breakfast and stuff like that, and all the actors were getting on a coach to drive to um, a set or whatever. <laughs> In fact, I, I got a bacon and egg bat from the uh, catering wagon, and I got on the coach, and then I realised I was I was in the, <laughs> on the wrong film. <laughs> so I got off, I got off the bus, and then found the the, the film that I was involved with, mm. and then um, we got driven to to the set for the day, and um, I got another bacon and egg bat. Imagine <laughs> as well. So I was quitting before I even started. <laughs> Cool. So, um, and you were telling me um, that it was kind of, it sounds like um, a bit of a, one of those weird dreams you have when you wake up and you think, what, what did, uh, what just happened? Because you, um, you ended up being, uh, you were asked to do sort of some ad-libbing, I think, where you yes, were to get right, things yes. ready. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that story? Because that's great. Yeah, well, basically they were, they were recording a scene where the, the main character, 
or one of the main characters, aside from the, the person in the, the party scene, which was myself. Um, but, mm. but she was supposed to be walking into the, to the Kingdom Hall. Now, the director just said to me, can you just say something like you would hear in, in a you know, normal witness meeting type of thing from the platform? We won't, we won't use it or anything, but it's just to give sort of context and timing for, for people. Because I think he, he was wanting to record um, the congregation either sitting down or standing up or opening their eyes after a prayer or whatever. So I I was sort of in my element because this was something that I'd done many, many times in in a real kingdom hall. But Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, this felt exactly like a real kingdom hall, despite the fact it was actually just a set that they'd created at the back of a working man's club in Oldham, I think it was. So actually, thinking about it, the witnesses give themselves a pat on the back when they can make kingdom hall in three days, you know, but... (laughs) <laughs> they built a pretty decent kingdom hall overnight i think in the back of this working man's club and when i walked into the set it was it was just like walking back into a kingdom hall so i found myself on the platform saying things that i would have said before like uh good evening brothers and sisters welcome to you know tonight's meeting or whatever uh, please Please stand and we'll sing song number 34 entitled whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, introducing the meetings or making announcements or whatever. Yeah. So um, I started by saying a prayer and then I opened my eyes and there's um, the actress from Benny Dorm and Downton. I'll be looking back up at me and the rest of the congregation. And, and um, there was also a policeman from Coronation Street on the set. <laughs> and he starred in Early Doors as well, which was um, a comedy. That, I don't know if you remember that or if you've seen it. The name rings a bell, but I don't remember what. Yeah, I quite liked that comedy as well. Yeah. So it was, it was nice to see him. I, did, I didn't realise he'd come into the truth, but there you go. <laughs> um, so it was a very surreal experience, that, yeah. yeah. It is just sounded like, you know, oh, I had a weird dream last night. I was yeah. doing the announcements and that woman yeah. from Downton Abbey was there. And- <laughs> Did you and-, and I was naked. Oh no, that was a different. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did, was it like an enjoyable experience? Was it a bit jarring, or what was it like like emotionally being thrown back into that, but it not being actually real? Well, at least on this occasion, I knew it wasn't for real. Mm. All the years that I've been going, I thought it was for real. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was also used by by the director. Mm-hmm. He said, just keep your eye out for any sort of inaccuracies or things that you can just pick up on because mm. I, th- I think as soon as any witnesses see some something like that, mm. if you get a word wrong or describe, you know, the Kingdom Melodies as a hymn or something like that, yeah. they go, oh, that's, that's not right. And they sort of think they can throw the baby out with the bathwater, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they miss the overall point of it. One thing that I did pick up on, in, he gave me the script to read through, and he, he said, uh, well, welcome, brother, to the stage. I was like, they don't call it a stage. You know what I mean? If, if I was watching a film as a witness, mm-hmm. and they described the platform as a stage, you, you just, mm-hmm. you'd lose credibility, you even if something silly like that, wouldn't you'd you? would out of it, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting. Okay, cool. Well, it, it was, you know, it was amazingly real. I've watched it. I've only watched it once, actually, um, and I, I do want to watch it again. It's but quite an emotional experience to watch it, isn't it? Right. It is a tough mind. watch. It is a mm. tough watch, yeah. Mm. And I don't know, to be honest with you, whenever you're involved in something like that, you, you have to leave it with mm. you know, the filmmakers, the director, to, to sort of do what they're going to do, the editors and everything. Um, and you don't know how it's going to come out or, or how it's going to be... Sh- uh, shown or perceived. I thought it was actually, um, it was very realistic. Mm. I did feel like it perhaps was a little bit, it portrayed the witnesses. I don't think it said anything unfair about the witnesses, but perhaps it portrayed them in a little bit more of a sombre, depressed mode than than they were, you know, in, in the general day-to-day activities mm. of being a witness. I, mm. I sort of have very happy memories of growing up um, you know, and there was a lot of laughter and things like that. But having said that, I do think that that was a lot of people's experiences, that so. it was just depressing and hard work. And, you know, the, the main characters of the film, if you think about it, a single mother 
mm. bringing up two daughters, I think she probably would have a hard time and it yes. would be quite depressing yeah. within the organisation. I was surrounded by all of my family, grandparents, mm. you know, I had, um, well, I have, I suppose, <laughs> uh, three brothers and a sister, cousins, aunties and uncles, they're all witnesses. So my upbringing and my take on being a witness would be a far cry, I think, from a single yeah. sister in the truth, doing, you know, working hard for what she thinks is right. And I think that could be very depressing and um, mm. and joyless, really. Yeah, and I, think I, I could see, I could see that in in some individuals in the congregation. I wouldn't mention any names, but yeah. no. I think mm. I could see that. I think the thing to remember as well when you're doing a film is it's not meant to be representative of an entire group, is it? I think sometimes, you know, people sit there and go, well, that's not my experience. It's like, no, it's not. That's this no. story here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you're saying about certain things, if they're like, that's inaccurate, I'll throw that out. It's, doesn't, it's not relevant to us. It's kind of like, People will use that as well with experiential stories of like, oh, it's not my experience, so it's just yeah. fine. I don't need to worry about it. But it's um, important we watch stuff about people's experience, isn't it? Because every, every, the way everyone is growing up or experiencing the whole will be different. So Absolutely. you need to Absolutely. watch it and understand each other, right? That's why we do a different interview with someone else every week because we want to hear yeah, a different, different story. But I think definitely that would be a lot of people's experiences mm. within the organisation. Something else that didn't sit well with me at the time, uh, watching the film, was the little video um, bits that they'd put in. Because I was like, I've never seen anything like that. But that's because when I was a witness, JW Broadcast wasn't a thing. Mm. But now you do see some weird, weird stuff. It's and I'm amazing. like, why, why are mum and dad and my brothers, you know, why are they not? Sort of seeing this and thinking, mm. what on earth are we mm. doing within this group? You know what I mean? The, mm. the way they sort of have become like TV evangelists and I don't know, the propaganda has sort of been really ramped up since I, I was. Yeah. Um, they must do, it must be, because remember people being, uh, being on the show before and saying they know their relatives are excited about it because I guess they hype it up and they're like isn't this wonderful and it's the yeah, next I, iteration so i can't get over it to be honest with you uh, mm. there were brothers um at the time when i was a witness growing up that would call jehovah's witnesses jw's and mum never liked that she thought it was sort of disrespectful mm. and now it's jw broadcast jw everything you know mm. what i mean mm. yeah yeah i mean uh, and the dramas that's um I, I find those, um, I mean, that particular one where you, you've got soldiers um, coming into the basement um, at gunpoint holding up mm -hmm. the, the witnesses yeah. and then they're in a field with soldiers it's coming very, towards them. It's, it's a lot it's of terrifying. money going into it as well, though. There's mm. a very high production values. Um, mm. yeah. There's also another one that I've seen before where it's like, you know, when people are saying, well, would you like this pride band? And the woman's like, no, I'm a Jehovah's mm. Witness. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, time to take a stand. There's a lot. There's lots of that content, yeah. um, like you said, yeah. propaganda content, basically, because it's just reminding you this is what this is what you do, this is what you say in this situation, this is how you behave, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very strange, and it, but I think it's self defeating actually because I think when when people, you know, when non witnesses see it, it's like so jarring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so don't realise how jarring it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. understand why it's not jarring to existing witnesses. Mm. Well, Maybe they, it is to some. I haven't noticed the transition because it's yeah. probably been more gradual than than it has been for me to, to mm. see it looking back. But, I've, I've, I've got to hope that some people will watch the videos of like, so it's one thing to have someone say, this is what you do if you meet someone that's gay. And then it's another yeah. thing to then watch it on a screen in very high production yeah. values. I'm hoping some people will see that and be like, oh do you know what i mean just be a bit yeah. like i don't want to do that do you know what i mean even if it just is a little bit in the back of the mind maybe like you said it is self-defeating they just don't know it yet yeah. yeah so um so luke tell us a, a bit about your your background then so you've told us a little bit but um uh, could you could just sort of give us your story a little bit yeah i was born at a very early age to <laughs> a family of witnesses um like i've already said i had I three brothers and a sister. I was the youngest of the four boys. 
once mum and dad had perfected boys, they moved on to my sister then. Um, <laughs> so into a family of witnesses, my, my grandparents on both sides were witnesses. Basically, my parents had near as makes no odds been brought up as witnesses from, from birth. I think my dad was maybe five. I could be wrong. All, all my, my mum was five. But I'm not sure about that. Definitely, you know, most of their life. Mm. It might have only been one or something when mm. my grandparents came to the truth or whatever. Um, I have a lot to be grateful to the religion for, to be honest with you, because, but for that... There's no doubt I would not be here because obviously mum and dad met through mm. being witnesses. Um, lived on opposite ends of town. They wouldn't have met, I don't think, any other way. Um, so I I grew up being homeschooled along mm. with my brothers and sister. Um, so had no other influences really. We went to all the meetings. Dad would beat himself up if we didn't have a family study, you know. Mm. On the majority of occasions, we would have a family study. My brother coined the phrase, the sermon on the couch. Uh, that's what he, he named Dad's family studies. Um, but they brought us up reading those stories from the Bible storybook. Mum, basically, if you if you chopped her in half, she'd have the truth written through her like a stick of rock. Mm. And I've said that to her. And she took it as a compliment. Now, I don't I don't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> um, but definitely, she, she is definitely a witness, do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so my, my brothers, as they left leaving school age, I won't say left school because we never went to school, mm. they, they joined my dad and my granddad uh, in the window cleaning business and they pioneered. So when it came to my turn... I left school and I became a window cleaner and I pioneered. And there was quite a lot of pressure on, on hmm. that situation because I was getting to be like 15 uh, and at 16 on our 16th birthday, we would no, no more do no more school. That, that would be the end of it at, at 16. And really, if it was following to my, in my brother's footsteps, I'd need to be baptised because I need to be pioneering at that at that mm. point. Otherwise, I'm going to be, I, I don't know what, I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb, aren't I? Um, and sort of, I remember being 15, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to ask the elders if I can get baptised so because I've only got till October and I'm going to have to be baptised by then because <laughs> uh, then I need to start pioneering. And mum and dad had never said that we had to, but it was certainly held out as a goal for mm -hmm. us all. Like, yeah. I don't think that's too strong a statement. Um, and it was just presumed that we would be window cleaners <laughs> and pioneers. Yeah, I so really enjoy either of them. No. <laughs> well, I was exactly the same. But just for, for our listeners that maybe don't know what pioneering means, because um, uh, not, not all of them are, are XJWs. So pioneering is... Uh, uh, sort of dedicating full, pretty much full time to knocking on doors, essentially, mm -hmm. isn't it? And doing the, the preaching work. How many hours did you have to do in your day? How many hours did I have to do? I, it, would, it would have been 90. Yeah. How many I did, actually? I, I wasn't a, a great <laughs> pioneer, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. To be honest with you, once I was disfellowshipped and then I realised, oh, wait a minute, the truth might not be the truth. Mm. And then it sort of comes over, oh, all those times that I made a number up and put it on my report, I'm not going to. I'm not going to not get through Armageddon because of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. that just, your your lie of to how many hours you did didn't matter when compared to the great lie of yeah, exactly. the rest of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest with you, the second the, the whole secretary. On occasions, if I had not put my report in, he said, "Oh, I, I just, I just." Um, Put something similar to to what it was last month, and he would he would fill it in because he didn't want to not have a complete report to send off to the society. Mm. So they're all at it. <laughs> That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's just so, um, um, some bureaucracy so, for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that's um, that's really interesting that um, you felt that pressure. Um, you've like you know you've got this this treadmill really that you're expected to to go through and it is just so reminiscent of any other 
kind of closed community where yeah you're expected to do this and then you're expected to do that and then yeah. you've got mm-hmm. to do this and you've got to do mm-hmm. that and whether it's spoken or not it's kind of just the culture isn't it so your culture yeah absolutely and i don't want to speak too disparagingly of that because there were you know there were things that i enjoyed about that whole aspect. Sure. it was nice not um i i don't wish that i'd um not been taught at home if that's it wasn't much of an education, but it was quite nice being being at home with your brothers and sister all, all mm. the time, you know, all growing up. Um, and we would play football virtually every day in the summer because my eldest brother loved football. And so we were a close family. I, I enjoyed walking up to the to the Kingdom Hall on a Thursday evening. Sometimes we'd we'd walk. Sometimes we'd jump in the car or whatever. But it was it was quite nice and getting chips on the way home and and on occasions when on, on group night um sometimes we'd we'd ask dad to jog up to the group with us and it would just make it a bit more exciting you know it, yeah. there's a lot of happy memories there sure. um and it wasn't i didn't feel like it was a, a drudge but it certainly was a lifestyle that was expected of me for a fifteen-year-old to sort of book the trend would have mm. would have been a bit of a, a big thing to do. Yeah. Um, I was basically going along with things. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think most children will probably go away, go along with their parents' expectations. But yeah. not only that, I had the example of my three older brothers, mm. and it was a case of well, I don't really understand why I should be doing this or that I want to, but I'm going to do what they've done. So yeah. Yeah. So it's not rock the boat, I suppose. Yeah. Was it one of those things, like you said, when you're younger, like more of a child, it was, you kind of had more of the enjoyment when you're getting to be a bit older, coming to that 15 as you're coming to the, you know, point that well, you guess... 15, I, it was only the pressure of, I've got to go up to the presiding mm-hmm. overseer and tell him that I, ask him, can I go through the questions for baptism? Mm-hmm. And that was... Because also, once you're baptised, then you're going to be asked to say prayers at the, the mm. group and at the meetings mm. and, and even at home before tea. And that's not something I really wanted to do, you know what I mean? Mm. Because before that, you would just be saying, saying prayers in your head before before mm. tea time or, or dinner or whatever. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't saying an awful lot. And they weren't deep and meaningful prayers. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't really want my cover to be blown by having <laughs> <laughs> to say them out loud. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, okay, so uh, maybe we come back to the homeschooling thing because we're, we're actually doing a, um, a special on homeschooling. Uh, yeah. We're putting some together. So perhaps get your some of your insights into that. But I'd, yeah. rather than do that now, yeah. um, maybe we can carry on with your your story. So you're, mm-hmm. you're coming up to sort of 15, you're uh, 16, you're, you get baptised, you're pioneering... Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, so I guess at some point you you get married or you uh, start, you know, start set, setting a life out for yourself. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I did get married in the organisation. Um, we had a very long courtship. I'm not going to sp- speak too much about that relationship sure. because mm-hmm. it obviously involves my sure. ex-wife, and um, I don't want to speak on her behalf. But I also. On top of the window cleaning, I was earning money by going uh, singing in, in pubs and clubs mm-hmm. and, um, and and things like that. Now, I had not been in very many pubs and clubs growing up because, you know, they weren't yeah. places that I would frequent at all. Um, I still wouldn't particularly go in, in pubs and clubs other than for singing, but I am... Um, Mum said, "You know, well, if if you can, if you can, if that's the way you can earn your money, then I don't see a problem with that." And I was pioneering at the time as well. So, if you can support yourself in the pioneering, doing something easier than window cleaning, then that's fine. Mm. Anyway, so we had a long courtship. I, I did, we we got married in the organisation. I I began a relationship with somebody, a worldly person, um, whilst I was out singing uh, and I had an affair and the affair lasted um, 
years, not not weeks, not months, right. uh, years. Um, and I was a very, very naughty boy. I admit that. And then one night, uh, my wife found out that I'd been having an affair, and that was that was sort of the end of that. Mm. Um, and I, I, I left my wife. And I will, I will say, I'll take this opportunity to say this about my, my ex-wife. She was a, a very loyal, faithful sister, <laughs> you know, in, within the truth. And, and, and she was an, an excellent wife, as a Jehovah's Witness wife. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had started going out when I was around about 18. I think within the organisation, um, you you're not forced into relationships as a young, mm. as a young age, but the culture mm. pushes you towards that, doesn't it? Obviously, yeah. without yeah. without being able to have sex before marriage, and mm. you can't sort of just go out with different people. That's right. And I'd I'd never had, I'd, well, I'd never had girlfriends really to speak of mm. before going out with my my ex wife. So sort of all I've known, and, and that was within the organisation. Like I say, I've, yeah. I've, I've no complaints about her, and mm-hmm. and she has remarried, and I hope she's you know very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had I had an affair, and and it came out. So I, I and I left my wife, and I moved in with the the person that I'd been having an affair with, um, and I still at that point just thought that I was a naughty boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did believe that the witnesses had the truth. Yeah. Um, uh, about a year passed, and my ex-wife got in touch to say, "Look, you know, this has gone on long enough. Um, you, you need to come back to, to me and and the truth, basically." Which I think she was more bothered about me coming back to the truth, you know, mm. <laughs> um, and, and to your family and all the rest of it, or, or I'm going to divorce you. So. Mm. Um, and because I still thought it was the truth, and because there was so much on the line, I went back to her. Right. But that didn't last long because by that time I was disfellowshipped. I, my heart was with my my now wife, um, and the only reason I, I, I went back was because I thought it was the truth, and because, like I say, there was there was just so much at stake. Really, all of my family, all of my friends, basically the first. 30 years of my life was was on the line mm. um but like i say that didn't last too long and, and then i came back and and i've started a new life not completely new because i'm a still still window cleaning i don't know where i've gone wrong <laughs> um, but started a new life and yeah you know mm. so i i'm i'm really um we we did sort of talk briefly about how much you wanted to talk about this but I, i'm interested in um how difficult that must be when you're you've got kind of these two different sides of you if you like on the one hand you um you you you're you've got you're carrying on an affair you you have that side of your life and yet on the other your um your brother stevenson um sometimes on the platform answering um watchtower and uh, you know that how does that how does that work um could you are you able to talk about that at all? I'm, I'm able to, yeah. Um, I think how it worked was I was leading a double life. Mm. In as much as my now wife, you know, the person I was having an affair mm-hmm. with, was living in Macclesfield, which is where I live now. My witness life and family was in in Bolton, you know, in Chorley. Um I, I could sort of compartmentalise in both lines. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I'm driving up the what, motorway, I'll leave one. Uh, well, that's that's not that's not really true because <laughs> the person I was having an affair with, I, I would be texting all, all the time. Um, so I, I, I didn't really leave. I didn't really leave that behind. I, to be honest with you, I have no idea how I did that. Uh, or, I really don't know. I don't mm. know, um, but I would be texting my my now wife. At the, at the time, we were meeting in a community centre for the for the congregation meetings, yeah. and there was by the by this 
it, there it was a stage. It wasn't a platform, it was a stage. And it had a little room on either side of the stage where you would go before the introduction of the platform. I would be texting her and then going up and do, giving an item or because I'd reached the dizzy heights of uh, being a minister of your servant by this point. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would literally be texting her from the meetings. I wouldn't be saying I was at the meetings because, she, you know, she didn't know that I was married or that I was a witness for, for quite um. some time. Um, you know, she. So I don't, I don't give any of the blame to her for the for the relation for our relationship sure. either. Um, I was a naughty boy. I accept complete responsibility yeah, from both sides. But I was leading a double life, and yeah. it was crazy. It's um, yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. It's it's obviously a um, a difficult time in your life. Um, just it from was a, a very difficult time of my life. Yeah, I say that for. But I'm also happy to speak about it because okay. I don't want anyone thinking that. Um, I, I'm not a witness because I, I couldn't do it. I, I can hold my hand up to the thing, mm. for the mistakes that I've made and, the, and for the horrible things that I've done. If I thought it was the truth, mm. I would be back at it now, working hard for it. You know what I mean? There's, mm. there's nothing that prevents me. No, I'm not afraid of any secrets coming out. You know what I mean? Sure. That, that, that shit sailed. <laughs> it's all there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, it's not that. That's not the reason I'm not a witness now. Sure. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so why would you say that is? Then let's move into that sort of uh, territory. Because uh, uh, obviously you you now, so there was a time when you you obviously thought it was the truth, and yeah. you had to come back. Yeah, and well, you had... Even when you'd left, you still thought it exactly. was, and then yeah. went back. Yeah. So, yeah. What so point did you changed. start changing? <laughs> yeah. The reason that changed was because, well, two reasons. First reason being, I think in order to believe. The, the truth is the truth. Mm. You have to be going to five hours of people telling you it's the truth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't need five hours of people telling me that the earth is round or that <laughs> gravity works or that mm. cars work. You know what I mean? I don't need mm. that drumming into me for five hours every week because things that really are true. You can grasp that knowledge and move on with your life. Whereas the witnesses need five hours of instruction every week. Otherwise, you know, a slight deviation from, and a break from that, if it's long enough, you'll start to go, um, actually, is that true? It doesn't really make sense if you stop and think about it. But they're not given time to stop and think about it because they've got to prepare for the next meeting. So that's, that's reason one. The second reason is because I allowed myself to see outside reviews, if you like, of the organization, of the, the religion, of the witnesses, whatever, however you want to phrase it. So as soon as you're allowed to do that and you can tap into the amount of information that's out there about the witnesses and their history and about things that you're not allowed to know about as a witness, it comes tumbling down very, very quickly. Um, and, and now, looking back, it's like, how how would, did we not see that it, how did we not smell a rat when you're not allowed to listen to anybody that's left or mm. any outside opinions of this religion? It doesn't make sense. Mm. To me, now, it's, it's like if you went into a, pizza shop or into a hotel or whatever and they said um just checking you've not read any reviews about us <laughs> anywhere you know and if you want to eat here or stay here you're not allowed to go on TripAdvisor. <laughs> you would go well that's the first place i'm going to go then what are they talking about but oh, for really? some reason for 30 years we didn't think oh well this is the information we want to be going straight to not Mm. not shielding ourselves from it's crazy mm. that's it a really is, good point mm, isn't it yeah it's um yeah it's very obvious when you're out but it's not when you're in it yeah <laughs> yeah mm. yeah so um so uh, where are you up to now in in your story so you've um you're 
eventually you you leave again you you decide that you know you you can't you can't carry well, on I, you want to I, I, one second i've, I've mm. just realized i missed my first foray into into being a celebrity and famous um, ah. because mm. i was serving as a ministerial servant Texting my girlfriend <laughs> from backstage and going on doing the announcements and things like that. Anyway, as a singer, I auditioned for The X Factor. And oh. I got on the show and the circuit overseer saw me on The X Factor and he got in touch with my elders and I was removed <laughs> as a servant and... Um, I thought, well, that's not that's not too bad. I don't suppose I should be a servant anyway because I've been having a fair for a couple of years. Um, but also, my dad, because he he didn't see anything wrong with me going on the X Factor, he was like, "Well, I never said anything to you about that." So he he took himself off as an elder at, at that oh, yeah. point as well. So that, oh, yeah. that was just well, uh, one. This was sort of all happening at the same time, really. Is. Yeah, I mean, I that, I find that really confusing because at the same time you've got you know Prince and other. Well, other... they always love that. I was thinking yeah. they get so excited, like relatives. I wonder that one. Yeah, probably they'd have pro- probably forgiven me my affair if I'd won the X Factor. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I was in scholarship but... for coming, uh, you know, two hundred and ninety-eight in the X Factor, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that mm. seems strange. Um, okay, so um, so tell us a little bit about your, the life after after JW. So I'm just just making sure we haven't missed anything. So you've well, um, missed loads and loads, won't we? But it, that's, that's okay. Uh, so as I say, I was listening to X Witness, yeah, podcasts and YouTube mm. videos and things like that. Uh, Lloyd Evans, who I know you've interviewed, I, w- mm. I was watching his stuff. I actually knew Lloyd as a um, as a witness because he was he wasn't in my congregation or anything, but but I, I, yeah. we sort of had uh, mutual friends, mm. and he had a, a bit of a band within the witnesses, um, and he and and I had a band as well within the witnesses and he shared our rehearsal space sometimes right. I, i'd just like to say this for any of your listeners that are also uh, listeners of of lloyd evans stuff i would hate for lloyd to be the victim of like the no uh, no true scotsman fallacy let me assure anyone listening he was a bona fide witness he was he really was you know going to MTS and all the rest of it in fact when I realized when I when I saw his videos I sent him a message and said I must I must say I much prefer you as an ex-witness <laughs> to, to being a witness because I I thought he was he was one of these brothers that sort of was really taking it seriously you know to me yeah, yeah. just being in his presence it was like oh I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live up to that there was always the whiz kid wasn't there you know there was the, yeah the, well he, he yeah. was that you know what I mean? and and that really i don't suppose anyone would accuse him of not being a, a true witness at the time because sure. you can see from his videos that he doesn't mind doing the research and he, he knows this he knows his stuff doesn't he but indeed yeah you're sure you he, he was a, a genuine witness mm. for many years um but I, I also, uh, aside from the X witness stuff, I, w- I also started watching, watching and listening to uh, things like the Atheist Experience. Um, I know you're sort of a, a fan of Matt Dillahunt here, and, and I, I, I love his stuff and and the way he he sort of talks to people about their beliefs in God and, and a lot of the stuff it's like okay that differs from what witnesses believe but it's sort of the same argument in mm. in different clothing if you like mm. and once I realised that the witnesses haven't got the truth and that I, I don't you know I don't believe in Jehovah uh, but you it sort of opens up bigger conversations does God exist you know so, what I mean yeah, yeah. other conversations that Growing up, that was a, a given that, that God exists. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Um, but sort of, it's back to the drawing board. It's back to square one, isn't it? Mm. And then you're working out, well, what is the reality of this situation that we're living in? And also, other conversations that we'd never been involved with, 
you know, LGBTQ conversations, mm. veganism, uh, all of those conversations about things that we'd never touched on because all of my growing up, the answer was based on the Bible. Yeah. So can we eat meat? Um, well, the Bible talks about eating meat, so of course we can. End of discussion. Mm. I'm not a vegan now, but I'm certainly interested in the conversation, and I mm. I actually can't um, I can't justify eating meat in conversation. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's something that I'm starting to think about. Mm. Whereas as a witness, you, you're not thinking yeah, about you conversations, and you're not you're not really allowed to get involved in those conversations. Mm. The What Should I Think About podcast has been going now since around November 2020 and we've really enjoyed doing it. We release at least two shows a week, it's about eight a month of course, with Sunday being an interview and Wednesday being our discussion about a new subject each week. We love you our listeners and we really value the interaction we have with you and we want to keep the podcast going. Currently I pretty much work on the podcast full time researching topics booking guests recording and editing with Celine working part-time doing very much the same things so in order for us to keep going and continue to improve we've reached that point in the life of a podcast where we have to make some decisions about how we support it financially most podcasts have ads either that are delivered by the podcast hosts or from third parties that interrupt the show we really don't want to do that We want to keep the What Should I Think About podcast ad-free. So we're going to try something different to most podcasts. We'd like to ask you if you think this podcast is worth a pound or a dollar fifty or a euro twenty a month or whatever the equivalent is in your own currency. If you think it's worth that, we'd like to invite you to become a member or a patron for just that. So how we're doing it is we're flattening out our tiers on Patreon to just our single lowest tier. For those patrons, not only will you get the two public podcasts a week, but you'll also get exclusive video each month, bonus content of at least one a month and probably more, and exclusive access to the What Should I Think About Facebook private group, where you can contribute to our Ask Us Anything episodes coming up soon, and talk about the show we've got other plans too that will make your pound or dollar fifty even better value but we can't say too much about that yet we really want to make access to this community possible to everyone and we think this minimal amount will do that while providing the show with a small income in order for us to keep going so the next few weeks we'll be flattening out our tiers on patreon and providing all benefits through the lowest tier currently known as loss aversion for just a pound or its equivalent in your own currency. So please consider being part of our community. Thank you. The link to our Patreon page can be found in the show notes. Anytime you're going into something that might be a bit worldly or a bit politicised, it's like, well, why do that when we've got yeah, yeah. all the answers here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, politics and is something that you don't get involved in. Yeah. Politics affects everything, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and it's, I mean, that the way you've described that is is very much the point of this podcast, really. You know, it's yeah, um, exactly, yes. all those things that um, that you couldn't think about before, you know. So you, you're able to, yeah, what should I think about uh, veganism? And what should yeah. I think about... What I like about this podcast is it's it's called What Should I Think About Something Something. In the truth, it was this is what you should think about, and it's Mm. you're given. Well, I'm finding at the moment that I've I might have questions that I can't answer, but that's Mm. much better than having answers that you can't question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, yeah, I mean, there's a. That's um, that's the favourite saying of uh, of yeah. our friend JT, um, mm-hmm. who's another XJW. Who we've mm-hmm. got his interview coming up shortly. So oh, uh, right. yeah, yeah, so he'll he'll be on the show, but uh, along with his wife, Lady C. And a lot of um, people said that in response to a thing I put on Twitter recently. Oh, really? Like, what was the stuff? Yeah. Or what did you do in order to sort of, you know, post leaving? What was the first thing you did for yourself? Just you know, 
that you wanted to do and a lot of people were like yeah having having questions and being okay with not having answers mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the right answer is I don't know. That's that's something that Matt Dillahunty says a lot. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. when you think you've got the answer, you stop looking. Mm. Absolutely. You know, the more um, the longer I've been outside the organisation, and the more I've studied and uh, all of that, the the less uh, sure I am about a whole bunch of stuff. Which I think sometimes perhaps people find a bit irritating because I'm, you know, I I do hedge a lot because I think. You know, these are complex questions. You, yeah. you know, it's it's foolish to think that you can just come up with a simple yeah. answer. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Another thing that Matt Dillahunty says, which I like, is um, being wrong feels exactly the same as being right. <laughs> so when you're wrong about something, you're not acting like you're wrong about it because you, you presume you're right. And like I say, you, you stop looking for the answers if you think you've already got it. And, and I yeah. think that's what the witnesses yeah doing all the time they're given the answer on a plate they having it reinforced like i say five hours out of a week yeah so they're not they're not looking for answers they think they've got them yeah i think um what's what's interesting uh, always worth remembering um about jehovah's witnesses and indeed any what i would describe as a high control group um, or okay cult is that they they're not stupid you know, the things that they do um, are absolutely the right thing to do if you want to indoctrinate somebody and keep yeah. somebody, yeah. you know, believing something. So you're right, you know, have have this stuff um, constantly rammed down people's throat. That, that helps to stop them thinking too much about anything else, you know. Create yeah. a, 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 a situation where you encourage your followers to break ties with anything outside the organization and then hold the threat of removing that um, yeah. by disfellowshipping if yeah. if you do something wrong you know if you leave yeah. so these are common sense things to do if you are um, if you want to coercively control somebody you know so they're not yeah. stupid no no uh, so um, okay so you you've been listening to a lot of the stuff the um, yeah. the the um xjw stuff and also um researching other things yeah. um where, where do you go from there um well um where i also went well so i i, I was now living in in macclesfield with my my partner as well um i joined up with the local amateur dramatic society and i made friends yeah. And I, um, as a window cleaner, I, I didn't start my own round in Macclesfield straight away. I went working with um, a company of window cleaners. Uh, mm. And you sort of have your eyes open to a lot, you know, the things that people, have, that, that, that the witnesses have said about worldly people. And a lot of the thoughts that I had about worldly people you know, it dispelled a lot of those thoughts and, and rumours mm. <laughs> about what worldly people are like. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. For example, the the witnesses make a big claim, you know, about, oh, you can go anywhere in the world and sort of you, you meet like-minded people or whatever, yeah. and the witnesses yeah. are, you know, the, the, their strongest selling point is that, that they have love amongst themselves. Only now real, I've realised, wait a minute, any group has love amongst itself. Yes. I, I go down to the local amateur dramatic society. They've got love amongst themselves. That's, mm. that's nothing to brag about. I, as a musician, I can go down to a, a, an open mic night and there's, you feel the love amongst yourselves mm. because mm. you've got a common interest or a common goal or whatever, something, something in common that draws you together. You can have a conversation. So I've, I've met people. I've, I've made loads of friends. Do you know what I mean? Um, something else the witnesses would say, because I remember, it, it was it was true to an extent. Um, one day, this was like when I was 18 or so, I was driving up the motorway and I, I ran out of petrol. That's something that I did quite frequently because... I was a pioneer and I couldn't afford to put that much yes. petrol in the car. So I was always running out of petrol. Anyway, I looked up and I was like, um, 
I saw the area code for the telephone uh, number and we had friends sort of in the area and I just remember I'd memorized their their home number because we, I would ring them up sort of every week to see what mm. what the brothers in that area were doing and we'd, we'd go and hang out with them at the weekend. So I just rang this number because um, it was the same area code and I said, um, hi, it's, it's Brother Stevenson. I've just run out to petrol and I, and I told the person on the end of the phone, you know, the brother or the sister, um, she says, what can, what can you see? Um, I was like, oh, I can see this washing machine shop and I can see this whatever. She, said, she directed me to a brother's house and they lent me a tenner <laughs> to go and put some petrol back in, in the car and I, and I continued on my way, you know what I mean? And that was like, mm. wow, yeah, and you really feel the, mm. the love amongst the, the brothers or whatever and you can, you can do that. Where else could you do that? Well, tonight... <laughs> um, your listeners won't know this, but I had real trouble getting getting online to, to you know, do this. Mm. I, I borrowed somebody else's house to do it <laughs> and had somebody else's laptop to do it. Mm. I, and I just went down, actually, it was, it was down at the theatre. I went into the theatre and I said, has anyone got a laptop which has got a, a microphone and a, a camera on because I'm, I'm struggling at home with the devices mm. that we've got at home? And this, I won't call her a sister. <laughs> she, this, this woman says, here, borrow mine. Here's the, here's the passcode for it. Right. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what's on her laptop, but she mm. basically just handed over her life, hasn't she? Right. If, if, if her credit card details are on it, I might order some. <laughs> no, but, but, but people are like that, aren't they? Do you know what I yes. mean? People yeah. are willing to help. People aren't, hmm. aren't as yeah. evil and as wicked as, yeah. um, as we had to believe in our growing up. That's yeah. something that um, quite a few of our other guests have said. I mean, John John Elson, who we interviewed yeah, recently, yeah. exactly the same. You know, he, he couldn't believe how generous people were. They'd yeah. come around with things to help him. You know, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. When he left and he didn't have anyone right. come around and try and convince him to come back, yeah. but he had people come around and give him furniture and mm. you know some yeah. dinner because he was clearly you know on his own and they thought he needed some help. That's right. That's what yeah. people do. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. There's some bad people around, and we have to obviously be careful of that. You know, we understand that, but, but, but yeah, life, there are within the organisation as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, You've absolutely. not got the uh, pinnacle of goodness in one no, place. No. Then. Um, so, um, so since leaving, then you've. Um, uh, you you do some interesting things. Obviously, you window clean, um, which yep. um, in itself is um, is interesting. I, I know because I did it myself for many years. No, wait, wait a minute. It's <laughs> not interesting. It's as boring as it can be. And All right, yeah. yeah. I, sometimes I feel, you know, have I really, have I really got the truth or, or the witnesses out of my system? If I'm still window cleaning, you know, where, where have I gone wrong? I don't know. Um, but. Fortunately, that's not all I do anyway. So, so what else do you do? Tell us about some of the other stuff you do. Yeah, well, I um, I work as a singer, so I sing in restaurants, yeah. um, which I love doing. I also work as a surprise singing waiter, <laughs> um, which which involves going to people's weddings, actually working as a waiter. So I, I will wear the same uniform as the, the waiters and waitresses. Yeah. I'm not necessarily the same as the waitresses because I don't look that good in a skirt. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will take out canapes and mm. serve reception drinks and all the rest of it, and take out um, plates of food. Then, once the 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 main course of the wedding brex- breakfast has been finished and they've they've cleared all the tables, I'll go into the middle of the room, and there's there's a couple of ways that I do this. Um, I'll either make a speech as though it's either my last day working at the venue right. or or my first day or whatever um and then i'll you know get the the wedding guests to shout hip hip array for the bride and groom and then on the third hip hip array i'll press play it and then burst into song and we'll get um a love train going around the room or we'll get We'll have uh, sing-alongs or sing-offs between the, the the bride's half of the room and the groom's half of the room, mm. uh, and we'll we'll get a, a boy band normally made up of the, the best best men or, or the groom or this 
first three friends or whatever, and we'll get them to do a, a dance and get a cho- one of them to be the choreographer that the other other lads have to copy his every move, uh, and we'll sing like a boy band song type of thing. Basically, just have a bit of fun, and it just injects a bit of energy into the to the wedding day, which can at that point, you know, after the main course and. Mm. It, it, you're a few hours into it then, and it's, yeah, yeah. it can be a long and boring day. So it just, like I say, injects a bit of energy cool. into the whole experience. And um, and I'd, I've sort of done that in, in Scotland, England, and Wales, yeah. and, and really? Spain, and all, and, and, <laughs> and Malta. You know, I get about cool. doing that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's very fun. You, you still do your acting? I still do my acting, but because I am singing... Most weekends, I actually can't be involved in in many of the plays because we okay. it's quite um, intensive rehearsal mm. process, and then you've got show week as well, and they put on a, a show on the Friday and Saturday mm. night. Well, I, I can't sort of afford to to get involved yeah. in, in that too much, but I am head of publicity for them, um, mm. so I like to you know stay involved with it and. As a result, I'm on the management, which is is also, it just reminds me of being a witness, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. We'll have like AGM meetings and management meetings, and it feels very like like the, like the witnesses. Yeah. The only thing yeah. that, that sort of didn't, I won't say didn't sit well with me because I can absolutely see how stupid it is, but when I first went to management meetings... There were, I'm not going to, I'm going to whisper this, there were women on management. <laughs> and that felt kind of weird, but they're much more insightful than most of the folks, myself included. Um, but just that mindset of women being allowed to sort of be in a position of authority or, yeah. you know, responsibility. Mm. And that, I didn't feel like growing up that the organisation doesn't respect women because it was just what I was absolutely used to. It was only seeing the contrast that made me think anything of it at all, you know what I mean? It sort of never registered on me, my brain that women not yeah. being allowed to do stuff or given resp- positions of responsibility is, is a bizarre thing, really. It's really weird. It's one of the... I think it's one of the biggest issues that, that Jehovah's Witnesses have personally um, because it, it, it's a knock-on for so many other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that in itself was mentioned, uh, you know, I won't go into the details, but in the, the latest uh, reviews into, um, you know, the way that the accusations of abuse um, are handled, the fact that women are yes. not involved in those processes mm-hmm. has been flagged as an issue. And, of course, it is an issue. Of course it is, yeah. Absolutely. Of course, wow. it's an issue to make, you know, just have, yeah, have no no representation of, Absolutely. you know, a large, you know, at least half, probably about half of you are going to be more. women. And, yeah, more. Because it's yeah, about 60% uh, are women, probably more. But they're not represented. They're no. not having no, their voices no. heard. They actively no. don't want to hear your voice as much as they might say that's not true. But when the scripture is like, as it, as it is, and the, the way that they discuss it, and follow it, it, they don't want to hear women's voices. So, no, and they miss them so much. Listening to your podcast, as I have been doing whilst I've been window cleaning, Celine, all of your comments are insightful. When you're talking about things like witnesses that you sort of you haven't been immersed in, mm-hmm. but everything you say is wow, you know, you, you, you're understanding, you're getting it, and 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 I like the way that you know your your relationship with both of you. I'm pointing at both of you. You can't tell that. <laughs> um, it's sort of a, it's a two way thing. You, you you're both bringing something to the conversation, aren't you? Definitely. And w- women do you know in in man's management that's the amateur dramatic society that I'm a member of. Yeah. You know the, the women on management, of course, their their opinions are certainly as valid, if not more so, on the majority of occasions. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. yeah it's one of those yeah, things absolutely. i don't think people realize do they on the outside they don't they don't always know because we all it was discussed a lot wasn't it when women could be vicars and it was like, oh, about time but i'm just like no one seems to know that women in witnesses can't do these things i guess no it's weird 
Well, there's a, I mean, there's a whole tranche of um, uh, religious um, groups that still of you know yeah. are, are very much like the witnesses. I mean, you know, they're not on their own. Um, no, so, no. No. Uh, and uh, even in uh, you know in other churches, uh, the Catholic Church and um, Anglicanism, although they mm-hmm. do in this country have um, women vicars and so on, I think that you know there's a massive schism there in different countries who don't mm-hmm. want that. You know, it's, it's it's a very very thorny problem, but um, it, and it all stems from the fact that you know the Bible itself is um, is well, dare I say it, quite yeah. sexist, really, yeah. <laughs> very yeah. sexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's always you know I'm always glad to yeah bring that conversation up periodically because yeah it's something that uh yeah close close to my heart as well something that Mm. i'm always thankful i'm always thankful to not have been brought up a witness for many many reasons but one especially is that i'm not i've not been raised to be a submissive no under under anybody's thumb no because that's my position in life because of how i was because i was born a woman that's something i'm grateful for i'm not I make cakes. I want to make cake when I want to make cake, not because I'm demanded to for an elders meeting. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, my my mum. I think of her as quite a, you know, she's she's sort of got her own mind on on a lot of things, and she, she's quite strong willed. You know what I mean? Mm. And I don't like. I say I, I really didn't see it, and I don't think she has an issue with it because presumably she was been brought up within that organisation or all of her life. So it's all she's yeah. known, but that it, it doesn't resonate with her true self. Do you know what I mean? It sort of can't because that's not yeah. her personality outside of anything else. No. Outside of it, outside of, yeah. you know, the witnesses. I think sure. that's something we'll be touching on in a, an episode at some point when we do get mum on for her interview, which I think we'll have mm. to do soon. So we keep saying we're going home. I know, we do. Um, yeah. Because, you know, people... Uh, elders did not like uh, that her mum was quite um, well she wasn't you know submissive and they didn't like that that was something that was regularly uh, brought up as an issue so we'll definitely dive into that more with mum to the to the realm that she's comfortable with it but that's something that we can explore why perhaps it didn't really offend mum I think a lot of it is well the sister's sort of can't talk on the platform. I don't think my mum would mm. want to speak on the platform. So, yeah. you know, that, she, she wouldn't be bothered about that at all. She yeah. wouldn't really like to have yeah. a say in public, I don't think. But, mm. Yeah, yeah I th- and I think that's that's interesting because what, what that demonstrates actually as well is that um, there's um, for, for some women, um, they're quite happy that they don't get asked, asked to do yeah. some of these, these things. Um, but also it, it points to the fact that for some men who find themselves being pressured into reaching out for um privileges you know to give talks and so on um they probably don't want to do it either but they they feel forced into doing it yeah it's a bad situation for both sides mm, it is. it's it's you know it's um you know sexism affects both sides <laughs> mm, of course, it's, yeah. it's no good it's no good for either yeah. So um, it's it's great to um, to sort of as, as we come to the end of the of the conversation, I guess, to um, end on quite a positive note. In that mm-hmm. you've got this life now, where you're because we always like to to make this point that you know leaving can be really difficult, but you've got this life now where you you know okay, your you, you, your day job might be a bit boring, but you've got all these exciting things that you do. Yeah, um, you know you, you've got a happy family life and. Um, you know, would would you say that life is good outside of the organisation? Yes, it is. It's very good. Um, very happily married. We will be um, celebrating our one year anniversary, anniversary um, next month. Congratulations! Also, I have a little baby boy who will be two in December, and we also have another little boy on the way. Um, we're expecting late November, early December, and I'm also a stepdad to an 18 year old. So there's quite an age gap between our kids. Uh, but but life is good. I am involved with the Amateur Dramatic Society. I have made loads and loads of friends outside of the organisation. I do work as a um, a surprise singing waiter and as a singer and an entertainer, which was I suppose um, my my 
my dream as a child. Um, and, and I am a film star. So, you know, life's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Brilliant. Oh, well, Fantastic. thank you very much for talking to us today, Luke. It's been absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Can I just say, you've handled talking to a celebrity remarkably well. I'm, <laughs> I am thoroughly impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit starstruck, but you well, know, I, well, I, I managed to hide it a bit. Yeah. Well, can I also just say, uh, your listeners won't be able to see this, but we're, we're doing this over the internet, and this this episode of can can it be sponsored by Pure Clean Macclesfield's finest window cleaners? <laughs> absolutely, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and if anybody needs to uh, to reach out, then uh, come through us. We'll we'll pass yeah. you on to. Uh, to yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, good luck with with everything that you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah thank you again for coming on to the podcast Luke thank you thank you What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production 